48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Some private and international schools reopen after a month's long suspension. The security chief throws down the gauntlet to critics of the IPCC report. And Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen rejects the one country, two systems principle as she starts her second term, raising fresh concerns about cross-strait ties. Several private and international schools have reopened after a months-long suspension because of the coronavirus outbreak. ESS schools will follow suit on Friday. Measures are in place to prevent students and staff from being infected. At Malvern College in Taipo, a temperature sensor has been installed at the entrance and schools are having half-day sessions so they wouldn't have lunch together to limit infections. Dr Robin Lister is the headmaster there. The kind of things we've done is, of course, insist on wearing masks. We've bought some rather expensive temperature machines, which gauges the children's temperature automatically. We've ensured that the spacing is right throughout the school so that the classrooms don't have too many people in. We've also decided, uh, again, having talked to the EDB about this, not to have lunch. So the children are going home early at one o'clock so they don't have to eat together, thus reducing risk further still. For the third straight day, Hong Kong did not report any new coronavirus cases. The Secretary for Security has put up a spirited defence of the report by the Independent Police Complaints Council on the anti-government protests, insisting many of the accusations made against it were unfair and biased. John Lee says people should read through the study to avoid being misled. The report was written based on a lot of information. Uh, it is based on, after reviewing over 20,000 photographs, over another 20,000 video images. So anybody who tries to make accusation against uh, the impartiality of the report comes from making accusations not based on facts, but easily influencing the audience because most of the audience probably don't have time three over this very lengthy report comprising almost 1,000 pages. The security chief says the task force that will follow up on its recommendations will meet next week. Amnesty International Hong Kong director Tam Manke hit back at John Lee's remarks, saying the IPCC report leaves a lot to be desired. Mr Tam also stressed the need for an independent inquiry into the unrest. Although the uh, report said that there is room for improvement for the police, but I think... The report fails to bring justice any closer for the repressive and unprofessional police operations that we have seen during the protests. In order to uh, restore public trust and breaking the cycle of violence, um, an independent investigation is a cru crucial step, crucial first step. And Carrie Lam has all the power and, and it is also within her remit to set this up. Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen has reiterated she won't accept the one country, two systems arrangement for reunification as she was inaugurated for a second term as the island's leader. Priscilla Ng reports. In her inauguration speech, Ms Tsai said she wouldn't accept Beijing's terms for reunification based on one country, two systems, as this would allow it to control and downgrade Taiwan. 
She said cross-straits relations have reached a historical turning point, but insisted that she is determined to maintain the status quo. Ms. Tsai added that she is willing to engage in dialogue with the mainland to ensure long-term peace and stability. The president also said she will bolster ties with the U.S., Japan, and other like-minded countries, while continuing to fight for Taiwan's participation in international organizations. On national security, Ms. Tsai said her government will continue to strengthen the island's defense capabilities while improving troop management. She also thanked the people of Taiwan for fully supporting the battle against the coronavirus and pledged to continue strengthening the island's health and social security systems. China analyst Mark O'Neill says he expects cross-strait ties to worsen further in the next four years. Relations between the two sides to deteriorate and become more dangerous. Um, the PLA has been conducting increasingly intense military exercises around Taiwan. But the risk, of course, is that something, an accident happens and uh, we, we have a military conflict. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. The last governor of Hong Kong, Chris Patton, says protesters here should not be provoked into committing violence by what he called police violence. He says that won't serve much good for the cause of the demonstrators. In a video conference with the Foreign Correspondents Club, Lord Patton was asked if protesters should just give up and accept that their movement is futile. No, certainly not. They shouldn't lose faith. They shouldn't lose heart. They shouldn't lose their sense of dignity and decency and moderation. They should continue to aspire to a community in which people reign proud and free, to borrow from a well-known anthem. And that will happen. Where will the Chinese Communist Party be in 2047? I don't know, unless Xi Jinping is going to live forever. I doubt whether it will be exactly the same then as it is today. And I don't myself believe that you can kill or lock up an idea. And I don't think you can kill or lock up or tear gas into submission the idea of freedom. Lord Patton also said the police watchdog's report last week on the protests simply polarised society further, rather than get Hong Kong back to what he described as the normality of expressing views without being run off the streets. Lord Patton also said he disagrees with the idea from some demonstrators that they should force the US to drop Hong Kong's special trade status and hurt Beijing's interests in what's been described as a tactic of mutual destruction. He stressed the need for Hong Kong to remain prosperous and competitive. The idea that you can actually help your own political cause by making things worse, I just think that's crazy. I want to see Hong Kong prosperous and free I want to see it continuing to have the same relationship with markets all around the world that it has today. But you can't deny the fact that if Beijing communists start to treat or continue to treat Hong Kong as though it was just another Chinese city, the rest of the world inevitably will sooner or later start to do the same. And that would be a disaster. And I hope that doesn't happen. Commerce and Economic Development Chief Edward Yao has made it clear RTHK must examine its management and governance after it was given a warning by the Communications Authority over an episode of its satirical TV show Headliner, which has been suspended after this season. I think the, the verdict of the Communication Authority on RTHK's uh, program is a fair and impartial judgment, which shouldn't be looked at from any angle other than 
giving a, a fair uh, comment on, on the incident itself. CA's verdict applies not just to Arctic Trade, but all broadcasters in Hong Kong, because they do this in accordance with the law and also uh, within their power. The government has blamed protesters for making the lives of disabled people harder. On suggestions that barriers set up by the police at some government buildings during protests have caused inconvenience to the disabled, Security Secretary John Lee told lawmakers that as much as the administration strives to offer unlimited access, it's the protesters who caused inconvenience to the disabled. He added that the barriers are needed to serve as what he called additional security facilities. But Fernando Jung of the Labour Party, who used to represent the social welfare sector, said he didn't buy Mr Lee's argument. I certainly understand that um, they have to have some measures for security, but it doesn't mean that it would have to come in conflict with accessibility of persons with disabilities. So I think the minister is taking it too far. In his logic, if someone violates the law, then the police would have limitless power to inhibit accessibility. That doesn't make sense. You know, we always have to balance things, even in this situation, security and accessibility. Uh, we cannot use security as an excuse to bar accessibility 100%. The Education Bureau says 2,500 cross-border senior secondary students may not be able to attend classes here next Wednesday when schools are set to resume because arrangements are not ready yet. These include immigration control, disease prevention and transportation. Authorities say under their initial plan, schoolchildren will enter and leave Hong Kong through the Sunjin Bay port or the Futian port, where they would then take school buses to their schools. A spokesman for China's top advisory body, the CPPCC, has denied that the country tried to make use of the coronavirus pandemic to battle for world leadership. He's also accused some overseas politicians of trying to smear and point the finger at Beijing over the virus. Damon Pang reports. Guo Weimin was responding to a question from Reuters, who asked him to comment that people from many countries were angry about China as they think it is where the coronavirus came from. Mr Guo said COVID-19 is the enemy of the world, noting the virus has no boundaries and people of different races face the same problems. He said it's important for the world to strengthen cooperation and unify in the fight against the virus. He said politicians from a few countries, including the US, have smeared China, claiming the virus originated from Wuhan and that some of them accuse Beijing of trying to increase geopolitical influence and fight for world leadership by sending medical supplies overseas. Mr Guo accused them of trying to score political points and divert attention and shirk responsibilities. But he said none of this would work, as the government and Chinese experts have made timely clarifications. Mr Guo also denied that China had covered up the virus, stressing the reports to WHO were made in January in a timely manner. Hundreds of thousands of South Korean students are going back to school after an unprecedented months-long break due to the pandemic. Those scheduled to take university entrance exams in December are the first to return, with others following in the next few weeks. Here's the BBC's Julie Yoon. South Korean schools finally reopened after a month-long closure. In a phased reopening plan, high school seniors were the first to file back to class. But things have changed. Students must pass the temperature check at the gate and wear a mask at all time except for lunchtime. 
In preparation for reopening, some schools spaced out their desks and installed partitions in their cafeteria. If a case is confirmed within a school, it will switch to online classes immediately. Cyclone Ampan, one of the most powerful South Asian storms for decades, has hit coastal Bangladesh and parts of eastern India. As it approached, strong winds uprooted trees and flattened some homes. In Bangladesh, a volunteer with the Red Crescent Society drowned after a boat capsized. Nearly three million people have been evacuated. From Mumbai, the BBC's Yogita Lemaye reports. The storm hit the coast near the Sundarban Islands, spread across India and Bangladesh, with a wind speed of around 100 miles per hour. Forecasters say it's an extremely severe storm capable of causing extensive damage. Five districts in the Indian state of West Bengal are expected to be the worst affected. The densely populated city of Kolkata is also in the path of the cyclone. In India and Bangladesh, disaster teams have been moving those at risk to safety. But this time the challenge of evacuating people has been harder because of the coronavirus crisis. To sports, where positive coronavirus test results could now affect plans to restart the English Premier League in June. Burnley confirmed that one of those who tested positive was their assistant manager, Ian Wone. Watford said a player and two staff members of the club were among the six positive cases. The other two are at a third club, the details of which have not been revealed. The BBC's Laura Scott reports. Our understanding is that the, the number of six isn't enough to derail the project restart plans and that everyone apart from those who tested positive can uh, return to that uh, group training. Now, it was six tests out of 748 among players and club staff, but we don't know the identities of those involved, if they're players or staff or which clubs they're from. We know that those tests relate to 19 clubs. Norwich only tested their players today, uh, so they're not included in that figure. And those who tested positive will have to self-isolate for seven days and can't be part of the phase one training. Horse racing's Triple Crown in the United States will look different this year from start to finish. The Belmont Stakes will be run before the Kentucky Derby and Preakness for the first time and will take place at a shorter distance following adjustments made to the schedule due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Belmont will lead off the Triple Crown on June the 20th in New York with no spectators allowed at the track. It will be run at a mile and an eighth rather than its usual mile and a half distance. Its purse has also been reduced by a third to one million US dollars. The other two races that would have taken place this month have been pushed back. The Kentucky Derby will be raced on September the 5th while the Preakness Stakes will be held on October the 3rd. A reminder of our top stories tonight, some private and international schools reopen after a month's long suspension. The security chief throws down the gauntlet to critics of the IPCC report and Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen rejects the one country, two systems principle as she starts her second term, raising fresh concerns about cross-strait ties. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's news rep programme. Security Secretary John Lee has dismissed criticism of an independent police complaints council report into the city's unrest, saying some of the accusations made against it were unfair and biased. He's urged the public to read through the watchdog's study to avoid being misled. The IPCC report has found no systemic problems with the con conduct of the police over their handling of the anti-government protests and rejected accusations of brutality and officers colluding with Yunlong attackers on July the 20th. 
21st. Jim Gould asked Amnesty International Hong Kong director Tan Man Kay what he made of the security minister's comments. Well, um, first of all, I think the IPCC does not have its own investigative powers, such as um, the power to summon, summon witnesses. And, um, um, and um, the IPCC representative made it also clear that in a recent uh, judicial review that the study was not an investigation and would not reach any conclusions related to complaints filed against the police. That is, that is the first thing. And we found, um, Amnesty found that in the report, there is no attempt to establish accountability for the gross police misconduct that we have seen. And Amnesty has also documented over the year uh, on the street scenes last summer. Um, and um, although the uh, report said that there is room for improvement for the police, but I think the report fails to bring justice any closer for the repressive and unprofessional police operations that we have seen during the protests. Uh, the the anti-government movement has dismissed the report. It's still demanding an official inquiry led by a judge. I mean, do you think there's any chance of that happening? I think um, in order to uh, restore public trust and breaking the cycle of violence, um, an independent investigation is the cru crucial step, crucial first step. And Carrie Lam has all the power and, and it is also within her remit to set this up. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> uh, do you think she can be persuaded to? Well, I mean, if she's, if uh, Carrie Lam the, uh, is, is for the Hong Kong people, then um, in order to restore public trust, uh, she has to do that. Otherwise, for the present report, in on, it, on, it will only fuel more public anger. One of the five uh, overseas experts who'd previously sat on the investigation panel, Clifford Stott, uh, he's preparing another report. Uh, what would you expect from that? Well, I think um, um, the foreign expert panel hired to help previously uh, stepped down in, uh, in order um, uh, uh, because they found that the IPCC has no investigative power as they um, recommended and um, expected. So I think from the through uh, the foreign expert, uh, there will be some um, uh, some 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 sort of independent investigation uh, that we could find in the report. But I think uh, ultimately uh, the government has to set up its own uh, independent investigation in order to uh, restore uh, public trust towards the government and also the Hong Kong police. Of course, the, the chief executive and uh, John Lee both said uh, the foreign experts had only been in the SAR for a short time. So does that mean uh, that uh, that uh, extra report is likely to be dismissed by the authorities? Well, I think um, if the uh, secretary thinks that uh, he stayed um, um, too short, then he should have paid... Uh, uh, for him to stay longer and, um, and obviously uh, for, for a longer period of time uh, he would have more time to uh, gather evidence uh, and also uh, have more observations towards the protest. And nevertheless, I think uh, from Amnesty's perspective, we, we have been here for more than a year and we also published at least three reports regarding uh, our observations regarding the use of, excessive use of force by the Hong Kong police during the protest. And the secretary has never uh, responded to our demands uh, on setting up the investiga independent investigation against this misconduct uh, and unprofessional behavior. 
An infectious disease expert has questioned the government's decision to relax social distancing measures for some groups, like those attending religious services, while maintaining a ban on other public gatherings. The chairman of the Advisory Committee on Communicable Diseases at the Hong Kong Medical Association, Leung Chi Chu, told Priscilla Ng the decision is inconsistent and won't help in the battle against COVID-19. It's important to maintain consistency in all these public health policies so that people can uh, understand it much better. And because if we allow uh, the aggregation of uh, far more than uh, eight people within indoor premises, I do not see good reason why we should continue to limit the number of people gathering uh, in the streets in open space. That, that is something that... Uh, I cannot understand. Yes, indeed, for religious activities, for example, they're held indoors. The chance of being infected is much higher, isn't it? Basically, I think in indoor environment, uh, there is uh, more likely for people for people uh, to be uh, gathering in uh, less ventilated, in poorly ventilated air areas, and especially if uh, even if we reduce the numbers of uh, persons uh, in the premises to half, it will still well exceed the number of eggs, and and that is something that uh, we need to. Uh, we examine uh, to see whether we, uh, we can maintain a more consistent approach to limit uh, the number of persons uh, getting together in line with the usual public health policy. Now, some people are saying that you know there may be political elements in, in such a consideration or such a decision. Um, do you have a view on this? Uh, it's beyond me to comment, I think, for that. I mainly comment on the public health perspective. Basically, there is uh, two schools of thought. I think one school of thought, I think that it's premature to relax all these uh, restrictions. And another school think that it's time to relax all this. And, and then I'm all for uh, the latter. But to respect uh, the views of those who think that it's important to continue restriction at this stage, it will be easier for me to understand if we can maintain a consistent policy, uh, either for indoor and outdoor. A survey by Lingnan University researchers say 80% of employees it polled would like to continue to work from home at least once a week after the coronavirus outbreak is over. Violet Wong reports. Last month, Lingnan University School of Graduate Studies polled online 2,000 private and public sector staff who have worked remotely during the pandemic. Most said the arrangement can reduce their stress and improve work-life balance. Many of them said they liked the idea of waking up later than usual and not having to change clothes or put on makeup. And about half of the respondents said their family relationship has improved. Professor Ada Wong said that's a surprising finding, given the well-publicized complaints about working from home. Usually, when we browse the forums or when we talk to friends, we always hear some complaints about working from home, like the children is playing around, messing up their <laughs> conference calls, so on and so forth. But finding is findings, right? This is scientific evidence. Some people actually would appreciate the time to be able to spend with their kids, because like, oh, once this is lunch break, I can immediately cook lunch with my kids, I can hug the kids, etc, etc. But while half of the respondents said they now have more time to do their work, only 3 out of 10 said they have been more efficient. Professor Wong said that's because people may lack the proper equipment at home and are disturbed by family members. She said bosses shouldn't assume the staff are slacking off. 
if we assume that those workers are really, you know, lazy-minded, okay, then of course I would select to have more time to work at home, so I can have more time to relax, to sleep away, right? But as reflected from our findings, most of the workers still prefer to select our working at home for just one or two days per week. I think it reflects that all of us understand that there are some pros and cons of working at home, and therefore to balance these kind of pros and cons, most of us want the option. Of having to work from home for one or two days per week. Among those who are in favour of working remotely even after the outbreak's over, less than one fifth prefer doing that for three or more days each week. Professor Wong admitted that, according to the Asian mindset, people work better at the office, and that means employers may be reluctant to try out the new working arrangement after the pandemic. The university's Dr. Frankie Lam said the government should take the lead and do more research on the topic. He said it should adopt a trial scheme for some civil servants to see if working from home is practical and benefits both the employer and employees. Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen has reiterated she won't accept the one country, two systems arrangement for reunification, as she was inaugurated for a second term as the island's leader. In her inauguration speech, Ms. Tsai said she wouldn't accept Beijing's terms for reunification based on one country, two systems, as this would allow it to control and downgrade Taiwan. She said cross-strait relations have reached an historical turning point, but insisted that she's determined to maintain the status quo. Anna Marie Evans asked China analyst Mark O'Neill what he made of the inauguration. Well, I'm afraid everything very predictable.、Um, she gave the speech we expected her to give. She said many times that she doesn't accept one country, two systems. She repeated that today.、Um, President Xi Jinping has said many times this is the only formula that he will accept. So we can expect for the next four years relations between the two sides to deteriorate and become more dangerous.、Um, The PLA has been conducting increasingly tense military exercises around Taiwan.、Uh, last year in March, its planes flew over the cross-median line—that's the line between Taiwan and the mainland—for the first time in 20 years, and they've done it twice more since. So we'll expect more of that, more of the、uh, PLA naval vessels circling around Taiwan. So the risk, of course, is that. Something, an accident happens, and、uh, we we have a military conflict. Now, Ms. Tsai said relations between Taiwan and China had reached an historical turning point. What does she mean? Well, I, you know, this is the start of her second term. You know, this is a, a major policy speech, but I, I really can't see what she really means by that because、uh, Beijing's position towards Taiwan has only been hardening、uh, under under Xi. Taiwan's position、uh, has not changed. So we're really the same place today as we were yesterday. So、uh, I, I think、uh, that's the kind of rhetorical thing you say, you know, when you start your second term. What did you think of Mr. Pompeo's praise and congratulations? Well, Taiwan has been the big winner in the Cold War between China and the, and the USA, and never since 1979 have relations between Taiwan and the U.S. been so close. So these、uh, remarks that were read out. The first time ever a U.S. Secretary of State's remarks have been read out in an inaugural speech by a Taiwan president. Of course, that's very good for Tsai. There were also two videos from major U.S. officials.、Uh, you know, Trump is very close to Taiwan, so、uh, President Tsai is in a very strong position. And of course, her 
behavior during the, the COVID-19 pandemic has also been exemplary. I mean, Taiwan is the best one of the best countries in the whole world in terms of having control of the disease, cases and deaths. And it's in a very vulnerable position because, of course, in normal times, tens of thousands of people travel between Taiwan and the mainland, uh, you know, every week. So um, Taiwan is really riding high at the moment. How much did the Hong Kong protests aid her victory? Oh, greatly, greatly, because uh, you may remember last January last year, uh, President Xi uh, made a speech saying a one country, two system was the only option. And then Taiwan people watched what happened in Hong Kong last year um, and with absolute uh, horror. And so this is what would happen to Taiwan if uh, it was united to China under one country, two systems. So, uh, no, I think the, the protest played a pivotal role in her uh, re-election. Britain has awarded a knighthood to the 100-year-old British war veteran Captain Tom Moore, who became a national hero last month for raising 40 million US dollars for health service charities. He had aimed to raise just over $1,000 by walking 100 laps of his garden before his 100th birthday. Here's the BBC's John Maguire. It started as a family joke and a way for Captain Tom Moore, as he was then, to get some daily exercise. But as his story travelled across the UK and around the world, it became apparent that he was on course for something truly remarkable. And two weeks later, as he celebrated his birthday with the title of Honorary Colonel and an historic fly-past, he'd raised a record-breaking and breathtaking almost £40 million. As he turned 100, Captain Tom received a letter from Her Majesty the Queen, and she has now agreed to honour him with a knighthood. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. Messages posted online have incited others to join activities that may be illegal. Always remember that it is irresponsible to post messages like these and doing so may even be a criminal offense. The penalty is the same as that for directly participating in the crime. Be responsible. Don't incite others to commit crimes. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December, we'll have moments to To remember nostalgia with Ray Cudero all the way until 1 a.m.
lovely theme from Limelight, performed by Mantovani and his orchestra. Nostalgia with Ray Cordero all the way until 1 a.m. Let's say hello now to Jim, our good friend. I love you because you understand it. Every single thing I try to do. Most of all 